Welcome to the Stull Community of Faith podcast. May you be blessed as you listen to our Sunday scripture and message by Pastor Kyle Scheidemann. Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of Matthew. This is the baptism of Jesus, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. It's the word of God for the people of God. And this is all I have to say, Kyle. I am so thankful you are here. This has been one of the easiest services I've done in six months. So thank you. My heart feels good. And mine as well. Thank you, Brenna. You know, I, I was asked this morning, I said, uh, you know, about being a little bit nervous, being in front of new faces and a new church. And, and uh, you know, and, it, and as, I, as I was told many years ago, I said, you know, it's, it's okay to have butterflies. The trick is to teach those butterflies to fly in formation. That's the trick. <laughs> Steve and Annette, they had a, uh, they had a, a major argument. But they were, they were giving each other the, the silent treatment. But then Steve, Steve realized, oh man, I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go play golf. And, and I need my wife to wake me up. And so he didn't want to be, you know how it is when you have an argument, you don't want to be the first one to break the ice. And so what Steve did is, is he, uh, he, he wrote a note on a piece of paper and it says, please wake me up at 5 a.m. Well, the next morning he woke up at 9 a.m. And he knew that his friends had already left for the golf course with him, without him. And he was upset. He was kind of furious. And so, so he's looking around. He's going to find his wife. And, and, and then he noticed a piece of paper laying by the bed. And the note read, it's 5 a.m. Wake up. <laughs> well, you know, maybe that illusion is a little too close for, for home for some of us to find it humorous, but perhaps it's also descriptive of sometimes the games that we play. And we might even play that same game with God. Sometimes we give him the silent treatment because something didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. And so we blame God. Or, or maybe we pretend to give in to his requests but we only do it on our terms, like the wife did in the story. We give the impression of obedience and devotion, but we're still in charge of our own lives and we are still living for ourselves. 
Now, let's go back to Brenda's reading, and we're going to look at Jesus at the Jordan. And so in this text from Matthew 3, we find a totally different approach to pleasing God. John the Baptist and Jesus, they, they both bow to what God has instructed them. And, and they're both, they both humble themselves before one another. Now the scene that you have that she described to you is a scene that you can put yourself into. You can almost hear the, the rush of water as it forcibly moves down the Jordan River. It's a lot different than the Wakarusa River. This one's a clear, nice, clean river. And you see this river and, and you can see the sun is just glistening off the water. Mm, take a deep breath. You can smell the, the freshness. You can feel its, its coolness and the heat of a hot summer day. And John baptized in these surroundings because of the clean running stream of water and that symbolizes cleanliness, purity. And John's baptism was, was a commanding one for the repentance of sins. He could have done it anywhere, but because John was the baptizer, he chose the forceful waters of the Jordan. And because his job was to clear the path for the coming Messiah, he wanted the path to be as wide and as long as the Jordan River itself. So Jesus, he comes to John. It's, it's a reversal of protocol. You know, that's kind of like, like the uh, general of an army that comes up to the, the field captain and salutes him. John is most likely standing in the midst of this multitude that's descending upon the Jordan. It looks like a crowd coming to a Billy Graham crusade. And we can picture Jesus standing in the line and he's right in the middle of this throng of people. I mean, these are the poorest of the beggars, but also the highest ranking of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. These are men and women from, from all over uh, Jerusalem that come to see John. They come to Judea to, to confess their sins, to be washed clean of the dirt that covers their lives. And then suddenly, John becomes aware of Jesus' presence. And he looks up to see him standing there, and immediately he recognizes Jesus as the one that he's been telling everybody about. John can't believe his eyes. The Messiah has arrived just as God promised. It is John who humbles himself before Jesus. It is John who requests that Jesus baptize him, not the other way around. This wild man of the Jordan who has been shouting, I bet his voice just bellowed when he shouted. He was shouting with authority to, to all the leaders of the faith and of the community. And this guy is now brought to his knees and humility and adoration. 
the prophet who spoke with the power of strength of God behind every word is now bowing down in submission to the one whose dusty sandal strap John feels unworthy to untie. But yet John's unblemished obedience to God can only be outdone by Jesus. Jesus says to John, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And John knew immediately that Jesus was right. As inadequate as he might have felt, as humble as he was to be baptizing Jesus himself, John understood that it was what God wanted. So John consented to the command and he baptized the Lamb of God. And I know about every church there's always a picture of John baptizing Jesus. He's standing there in the water together. And we can see Jesus yielding to the baptism of John just like everyone else. And we visualize a sinless man coming out of the waters to the voice of God. This booming voice proclaiming, this is my son, the beloved, for whom I am well pleased. This was Jesus' coming out party. When he comes out of the water, it was the introduction to the world that was going to be the beginning of his ministry. It was the inauguration of the kingdom of God on earth. And through, the, through Jesus, the kingdom of God was both now and yet to come. And this kingdom would demand from Jesus an uncompromising obedience to God and a loving responsibility to a human race, to a fallen human race. So here we are, we're entering through baptism. Through baptism, Jesus was publicly given God's seal of approval, and by his example, believers are invited to enter into the kingdom of God through baptism. In the church that emerged as the instrument of God's kingdom on earth following Jesus' resurrection, baptism became the initiation of right to come in. And many believe that the Holy Spirit enters the life of the Christian in transforming ways when a person is baptized. It's just like the dove that descended upon Jesus. And although John thought Jesus should be baptizing him, he was obedient to the will of God. And even though Jesus was without sin, he obeyed his Father in heaven and submitted to the waters of baptism. And who among us dared to, to enter the kingdom of God outside of baptism? So important did baptism appear to be Jesus that in the book of Matthew, his final dialogue to his disciples included his instructions. He said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he, he instructs his disciples to teach the new followers to obey everything that he commanded them. 
And so from the preaching of John the Baptist to the baptism of Jesus and forwarding all into the New Testament and into the book of Acts, people are baptized in obedience to God. And today, if we can't agree on the way it's done or at what point in a person's life he or she is baptized, the church still baptizes in the obedience to God's command. We believe that we are united with Christ through baptism, and thus we will be united with him in the resurrection. In the 1980 movie, Superman II, remember that? Superman, oh, what a hero. Superman and Lois Lane, remember her? Oh, guys, they finally decided they're going to quit dancing around the issue, and they're going to, they're in love, and so they're going to marry. And so Superman, he gives up, he gives up everything. He chooses to give up his superpowers because he wants to become just ordinary Clark Kent. And he, he knows that if he surrenders his powers, he can never have them back. Well, you know, it doesn't take long till all three evil supervillains from Superman's home planet of Krypton, they take over the White House and they began to rule the planet Earth. And so the world needs Superman, but alas, it's too late. So here's a dejected Clark Kent walking through the rubble of what was once Superman's fortress of solitude. And he cries out, he says, Father, I have failed. The next scene changes to Metropolis. And then the, the supervillains, of course, they're just wrecking havoc and they're terrorizing the townspeople. And then the famous music starts playing and suddenly up in the sky, it's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's Superman. And somehow, some way he regained his superpowers and he is back protecting the people of the world. And Superman defeats the villains and he continues his fight for truth justice, and you know the rest, the American way. But let's look at what really happened here. The writers of the screenplay established a rule that if Superman surrenders his powers, he can never get them back. And then he surrenders superpowers. But the writers, if the writers had stuck to the rule, Superman would have just been history. But the writers took some liberties that probably make literary purists cringe. They changed the rules in the middle of the story in order to get Superman off the hook. You see, that's what baptism does. It rewrites the rules. It allows God's grace to rule over the laws. And since we are unable to earn our salvation, by the letter of the law, that is, through perfect obedience to God, God had to change the rules. And so he sent Christ to die for our sins. God changed the rules in the middle of the story 
to get us off the hook. Jesus instructed his disciples to baptize the nations. You could say he commanded them to do so. But we should never view baptism as an obligation. We should view it as a gift. A gift just like the grace that it represents to us or bestows upon us. A gift just like the salvation it ushers into our lives. A gift given to us by a Savior who one day came to the water to meet John. And in the water of baptism, Jesus began a journey to the cross so that for our sake, the waters of baptism would have real and eternally lasting meaning. Baptism changes the rules in the middle of the story. And as you renew your own baptisms in your mind and your heart today, recommit yourself to God. For God loves you dearly. Jesus didn't have to step into the Jordan River that day. He didn't need baptism for repentance. But in saying yes to our baptism, Jesus was accepting his role as our Savior. He was taking on our sins and our death so that we would never die. He was opening heaven wide open for us so that we would have full access to God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And he was creating a new spiritual family to encourage and to support us. And so when people come forward to be baptized, if you ever come forward to be baptized or when you remember your own baptisms, remember that Jesus said yes to our baptism as a way of showing his sacrificial, never-ending love for us. You are God's most valued creation. You are God's beloved. And as we, and until we sit at the table of Jesus on that final feast day, our job will always be to feed the hungry, to, to clothe the naked, to, to give to the poor, to heal the sick, to bless the repentant, and be devoted to Jesus. And so as we partake of Holy Communion this morning, may you remember your baptism. May you feel the Holy Spirit touching down upon you. And may you be nourished by the body and by the blood of Jesus so that you may serve more completely. You may feed more heartily and you may love more deeply now and always. Amen. Amen.